Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for jumping on board along with my co-host of more than five years, R.G. Seal. If you're a first-timer, you should know that R.G. and I are lifelong Houston sports fans and friends for ages. So we've had these conversations going back to our fake talk show days back in high school. You remember the old days of Seal and Land pro football, R.G., right? Yeah, the pre-Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those days. Yeah, we, we had like a video camera set up and it was a lot of fun. And, and this is what we've been doing our whole life. So it, it goes back a ways. Uh, let's get into some Rockets. And for any of you listeners who missed it, Ali Bajani, the Rockets beat writer for The Athletic, was on the show earlier this week. And RG, I asked him about every Rockets fan's favorite official punching bag, just guy that everybody's learned to hate now, Scott Foster, uh, do you think he'll officiate a Rockets playoff game? No. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he, he, uh, I th- I, what I should say is, I'm sorry, I think he will be officiating. He shouldn't, but he will be officiating a Rockets game because, look, he's one of the, they consider one of the best officials in the NBA and he works playoff series. So, of course, he's going to get a Rockets game. And in fact, that adds more intrigue to it because of the fine with Harden, with the fact that Chris Paul says we can't get a game officiated. Well, you just hope it's not a game seven or a deciding game in a series that he has to officiate because he seems to have this vendetta versus the Rockets. It kind of reminds me of the old remember the Clyde Drexler and the Jake O'Donnell and you know, refusing to shake hands with Clyde Drexler and, you know, all the kind of like fouls that he would call on him and people getting upset about that, you know, back in the championship days. And now you have like with this, you know, Scott Foster, he's in the Rockets heads. Believe it. I mean, you you heard the afterwards, like James Harden and Chris Paul saying they couldn't get a fair shake from him. And so, I mean, that's that's going to be something the Rockets are going to have to overcome. I mean, he's going to be out on the floor sometimes refereeing their games. You just hope, again, it's not in a critical situation. Maybe it's a game one or game two in a playoff series where, you know, you're not up, your back's up, up, up against the wall yet, but you certainly don't want to see him in, you know, some kind of deciding match. But, you know, it's the NBA, so it's out of the Rockets' hands. You think Adam Silver is going to want to see Rockets fans in the crowd? They'll be coming with uh, voodoo dolls, sticking pins, and Scott Foster. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if he's going to like that. I mean, it is at the end of the day, it is sports, but uh, I mean, you think that you could get a fair shake from a referee. You're supposed to be, you know, impartial, uh, but it just seems with the Rockets, when Scott Foster officiates and with that Lakers game last week, I mean, there were so many calls that were, you know, the Lakers went to the foul line so many times in the second half when the game was in the balance versus the Rockets, you know, and, a, you know, a lot of calls weren't whistled and it just seemed like it was, it was definitely advantage to the Lakers, even though they were the home team and the Rockets came out the short end of the stick. But it, again, it gets in the players' heads. James Harden complains after it. You know, all of Chris Paul says the same thing, kind of reinforces that. And it just makes things difficult. And, you know, they are going to probably have games officiated by him again. So maybe he gets to thinking about that himself now. Who knows? But, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's the guy with the hammer, the upper hand. He has the whistle. He can do these things. The NBA is going to review it. But they, they seem to send him out on still, you know, very good assignments, consider him one of the better refs. So you're just going to have to be able to get through it. You're going to have to be able to. I mean, it's like a, another opponent. It's like the 12th man. It's like, a, you know, not having home court. It's five against eight. Rockets against uh, the other team in the officials. It seems like when, when Foster refs and I mean I'm not one of these you know guys on Twitter railing against the officials every time but it's pretty obvious when James Harden fouls out of a game oh yeah and Chris Paul yeah and both of them foul out of a game I mean it was silly yeah it was ridiculous um what about James Harden's 30 game scoring streak being over are you happy 
that that thing has finally ended? I, I know I am. Look, the, the thing should be about winning a championship and titles, and that's all that anybody should care about. But am I a little bit sad that it's gone? Because, you know, I mean, at least that gives you something else when you're watching a Rockets game. Is he going to get to 30? There's mystery. There's suspense there. It's like watching, you know, uh, I was just watching like True Detective here or watching Game of Thrones or anything where you, hey, you have that cliffhanger at the ending. Is he going to get to the next one? Is he going to be able to carry this over? It's like the that that show ended. You know, now we got a new show starting. And, hey, he started a new 30-game streak. Who knows? Maybe he'll carry out that next season but i mean it was exciting while it happened i mean it was the the thing where he was scoring every single game but yeah i mean you don't want it to be like let's say you're chasing down a playoff spot or you're up by 12 points you know in a game with three minutes left and harden can go back to the bench basically because you're playing a you know the phoenix suns or something and instead he's at 26 points so he's got to be out in the core and then all of a sudden he slips and falls and you know trying to chase 30 you know, so that way, in a way, yes, it's a it's a blessing that and, and, and the Rockets can also get back to doing more of like, you know, they said when Harden was in, when, when, excuse me, when when Chris Paul was injured and Clint Capella was injured. Look, James Harden had to do this. He had to score 30 to 40 points a game because he was the offense. You didn't even know if you'd have, you know, Eric Gordon some dates. I mean, it was James Harden. And he what he did was unbelievable. We should salute our, you know caps to him or whatever you're wearing uh, to James Harden for what he was able to do during that period to keep the Rockets afloat. But now that you have your your whole arsenal back and you're getting ready for the playoffs, you want to be able to distribute the ball, get everybody involved. So I think, yeah, I mean, overall, it's better to have it over with now and, and Harden can just concentrate on being the best player he can be and getting his teammates involved. You said it right at the beginning of all that. The big concern for me w- with this streak was there were times where Mike D'Antoni was just leaving him in it at the end of game so he could get that 30 points when the game was out of hand one way or the other. And I just, I, I want to see his minutes diminish. And, uh, you know, D'Antoni doesn't seem to believe in minutes being a factor. And I get it. I mean, one of the Rockets championship years, Akeem Olajuwon was averaging 40 minutes a game. But, you know, we, we know that this matters. And and look, Akeem, as much punishment as uh, Akeem took, Akeem did not have the ball in his hands all the time. Akeem was not getting the wear and tear and and the mental strain, the physical strain of being a a ball handler at all times. And we know what that physical strain does to a player. We know what it's done to James Harden over the years uh, because he's worn down in playoffs and in different series at the the end of games. So yes, it matters. It matters. It matters. And that's the reason I'm I'm glad it's over with. You know, yeah, I mean, I I guess it, it it was cool while it was happening. It's historic, and I mean, that's it's great for James. It's great for James, and I mean, he had a couple of like great kind of a occasions during that where you know it came down to the wire. Remember, he had like 20 points, and he needed a you know 10 points to get it to that 30, and the Rockets crowd all got excited because he got it within the last couple of minutes, or. You know, that game where he had against Golden State where he, you know, made the game winning shot. I mean, that was all part of the streak, too. You know, so there have been a lot of, you know, great moments during the James Harden streak. And look, I mean, the fact that it was basically Wilt Chamberlain, Wilt Chamberlain, Wilt Chamberlain, Wilt, 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 right? And James Harden and James Harden even climbed up in all those, you know, great Wilt moments. I mean, he passed uh, Michael Jordan and, and Kobe Jordan, excuse me, Kobe Bryant along the way. But, you know, to be up there in that rarefied air where it's basically Wilt Chamberlain with that incredible, you know, streak nobody's going to touch. It's like the almost like the Joe DiMaggio hitting streak. And then you have like James Harden coming in second now or at least tied for second or third. Yeah, he's I believe he's number two at 32. Right, but tied with Wilt second streak. 
of that. Right. So um, to be able to do that is pretty incredible. And I think he should be MVP just for keeping the Rockets, you know, their heads above water for the, you know, most of the season when, when of course, Chris Paul and Clint Capella and even Eric Gordon were all out of the lineup that were the Rockets next, you know, best players. So what he's been able to do has been pretty unbelievable. And, you know, again, it's going to be more like how the Rockets play these last several games. If they're able to move up in the standings, you know, position themselves for the Western Conference playoffs, uh, you know, that's that's going to determine whether or not he actually carries that hardware. But I think this year, James Harden's looking for a different type of hardware, which would be the world championship uh, trophy. So we'll see. We're going to get back to the playoffs in a bit, but you know, I've been killing the Hawks uh, as the season has progressed about the Trey Young for Luka Doncic deal for the, you know, not only for the last, you know, few weeks, but the last few months going back to when they made the deal. But man, if, if the Trey Young, the Rockets saw the other night, RG start showing up consistently, maybe that deal isn't a disaster that I thought it was. He was going Steph Curry on us and then he throws up a near triple double the next time out. Uh, I mean, this guy is all of a sudden looking like, uh, maybe he's worth the deal a little bit. He, he was doing some Steph Curry stuff out there. Well, he was a sensational player at Oklahoma, too, if you remember. I mean, he did some great things. Remember LeBron shouted out to him on uh, Twitter and uh, about Trey Young and everybody getting excited as a way that he was able to, you know, cap- captivate college basketball uh, during his last season. So, you know, for him to come to the NBA and make this kind of mark and he is a dynamic scorer and can do these things, you, you're right. I mean, this is and that's really what you want out of trades. I mean, Luka Doncic, we've seen him as well, the way that he was able in that one game against the Rockets, basically to as a 19 year old to come down the stretch and, and, and basically help to beat the Rockets. And, you know, he's just shown like this guy's going to be a great player for you know the next 15 to 20 years he's the next great player up in dallas after dirk nowitzki kind of passing the torch and it seems almost kind of unfair but with trey young i mean you you just hope that he also blossoms into a star because you really don't want to see one team get rooked out of a deal you know where they they you know they get a terrible end of the stick i mean unless you're you know somebody that hates that franchise but you know it's better for the nba if you have like two great players, two superstars, especially that were traded for one another. I mean, it could come back when, you know, Doncic and Trey Young facing off against one another, almost like, you know, not saying they're Larry Bird and, and, and Magic Johnson, but just kind of that, maybe they can be that kind of dynamic rivalry throughout the years because they were traded for one another. Yeah, speaking of Doncic, I'm pronouncing it Doncic because I've looked at it as far as like searching the web and trying to figure out exactly how to say this because everybody's pronouncing his name differently. Just go with Luca. Exactly. I was about to say it might be easier to go with Luca because he's going to be a one-word guy uh, before too long and, you know, not since Suzanne Vega has anybody made My name is Luca. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, RG, the Rockets, they're 3-0 and against Golden State. Uh, would it al- almost be better if they face them early in the playoffs if you're a Rockets fan? I mean, aren't you more concerned about your own team getting banged up than you are about the Warriors gaining momentum as the play and well, and the Warriors gaining momentum as no, the playoffs I, move I mean, along. Look, they're not, they're not going to face the Warriors in the first round. No, I'm, I'm saying like early in the playoffs, like they could face them the second round, the way it's working out right they now. They could face them the second round and look, they're going to have to face the Warriors at some point, but you want to at least get that, you know, I, I'm looking more at the first round. I mean, there's no guarantee if the Rockets right now, I mean, if, 
you know, there's no guarantee they even have home court in the first round. So then in that case, I mean, maybe they'd be favored because they went to the Western Conference Finals last year and have a healthy team, depending on who the opponent is. But right now, they just have to be able to advance out of the first round. And we've seen they play the Warriors well. They went over on a a Saturday without night primetime game without James Harden with Chris Paul, and they gutted out a victory against a Warriors squad that had everybody playing. I mean, I know Draymond Green went out late, but they had their whole lineup in there and the Rockets beat them and the Rockets have beaten them twice at Oracle Arena this this season and the Rockets play them well and Daryl Morey has always said I want to build a roster that can beat the Warriors and maybe if everybody's healthy and that could have happened last year of course Chris Paul plays either game six or game seven could have been the Rockets in the finals the problem is is that the Rockets are going to be matched up against other teams that maybe they're not as good a matchup when as we know in the NBA and the playoffs it's all about matchups so if you're matched up a team against a team that just you're not you know, you're not suited for as much uh, because of your strengths and and their strengths and your weaknesses and their weaknesses. Uh, you know that that all is a factor in the NBA. But I mean, the Rockets, whether it's in, I, I would prefer to see. I mean, you know, myself. I mean, I'd love to see the Rockets get back to the Western Conference Finals and play Golden State again in that kind of scenario because that's what we've been anticipating at least when the beginning of the season started. The Rockets' disappointment, but I mean. Again, it's just getting the first playoff round matchup, being able to advance, being able to play the Rockets style of play and, and you know, be able to if they have to meet the Warriors in the semifinals instead of the finals. So be it. But, you know, uh, it's just a matter of the Rockets being able to write the ship themselves and play the way that they can play and win. Yeah, no guarantee the first round game, first round uh, opponent's going to be a gimme, but I do want to get Golden State a little bit earlier because I feel like as the playoffs progress, their focus gets better. Uh, they're not focused, you know, in the regular season like they are in the postseason. So it takes that ramp up time for them. I think if you get them in the second round, you might have a better chance. The Rockets, hopefully, they'll be healthy during the playoffs. So if they can be healthy uh, going into the playoffs and you get maybe better health by the second round because there's all that attrition by the time you get to the third round, all of that I look at when I see how things might set up. But Golden State's going to be Golden State. But I think the Rockets, you know, they, they seem to have a formula so far this year and, and last year of playing them well, both in the playoffs and in the regular season. I mean, yeah, they lost to him, but it took Chris Paul's injury for that to happen. So, uh, boy, the other thing that uh, I got to talk about is Kenneth Fareed, RG, because what if I told you that before the season, hey, the Rockets' top three-point shooters would be Daniel House, Michael Carter-Williams, and Kenneth Fareed. I mean, any, any one of those guys. But Fareed's number one right now. He's at 46%. It's ridiculous. And, and his per 36 average since he's been a rocket, 19 points, 12 rebounds, 1.2 blocks. He's 60% from the field, 46% from three, like I said. Capella, his per 36 is 18, 13, and 1.9 blocks. You know, I'm still waiting on Capella's first three-point attempt this season, but Archie, you look at the numbers across the board, and Fareed and Capella are doing the same thing, at least offensively and on the boards. Yeah, I think that's the important thing. Look, Kenneth Fareed, I mean, you're not going to be expecting him to jack up a bunch of three-point shots and everything like that, and uh, really had done that over his career. And uh, But what he can give is that energy, that hustle, uh, and rebounding, and that's what this team has needed. They had a rebounding deficiency, you know, so getting Capella back certainly has helped. I mean, again, like Capella, just the way that he attacks the boards, gets rebounds, is a rim protector. 
Uh, and he plays well with Kenneth Fareed, too. So having both of those guys on the court gives the Rockets some size. They can move P.J. Tucker to the three where he can, you know, still be the defensive menace that he is. So, I mean, it, 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 there are ways of, of doing this with the Rockets and they can have Eric Gordon come off the bench or, you know, there are different things they can do and maneuver with, uh, you know, Kenneth Fareed, whether or not they decide to start him or have him come off the bench. But he can play with Clint Capella and. We must give credit to Ben DuBose because he was the guy that uh, was pretty much talking about this before, how he saw ahead of time as one of the guys he wanted to go out and get Kenneth Fareed because they thought he would play well with Clint Capella. And he he's been right about that. Yeah, so far, it's interesting because since uh, Capella has been back, sometimes Fareed has been playing. Sometimes Eric Gordon's been playing at the forward spot. P.J. Tucker staying uh, in the lineup no matter what. But it, it's interesting to see what they're doing with the, the lineup switches and stuff like that. Again, you know, as we talked with Ali Bajani, take some pressure off P.J. Tucker, get some help from him so he's not playing 35 minutes, 36 minutes uh, a game because that's killing his three-point shot. His three-point shots looked a little bit better recently. I want to see that continual improvement from him, and I want to see his minutes go down. Of course, Fareed got a little banged up in the last game, but, you know, hopefully he's going to be okay. RG, he's got the nickname the Manimal, which is one of the better nicknames in the NBA. I feel like we got to come up with something for Clint Capella. So this is what I came up with. Tell me what you think. I, I put out there on Twitter the exclamation point. That's one of them. Or the beard finisher. And I asked Twitter what they thought. The exclamation point received 64% of the vote. Do you like either of these two? Do you have one that you were thinking about with Clint Capella? It just feels like he's got to have a nickname or something. You know, come on. At this point in his Rockets career, you know, the Swiss miss, as in Swiss miss and free throws, is no longer applicable because he's starting to make his free throws with a pretty good percentage this year. So we got to come up with something for him. Yeah, you know, I haven't given much thought to it. I mean, it's the first time I've even I've been broached about the subjects. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, what you have there, I think we, you can still work on it. You don't, you don't like the exclamation point or you think I still need to work well, on it? Well, that's just a lot of, lay, you know, like the beard, CP3. I mean, just like at the exclamation point, the exclamation point, you got to think of it as an announcer where you're saying that every single time, you know. So I I mean, something quicker with maybe Cap in it or, uh, you know, Captain, I don't know, because uh, he's Capella, the diversity words, C-A-P. Hey, it's it's something to put your uh, thinking cap on. And maybe some listeners here who are listening to this right now have some great nicknames out there and want to uh, submit their ideas, you know, send it to the uh, Houston Sports Talk email address or, or send it to you on Twitter because you've posted it up there so people can, you know, contribute their own nicknames and, and you you can pass it along to the people you know over at the Rockets. Yeah, I don't know if this is any shorter, but I was trying to come up with something for P.J. Tucker. And I, since we're in Houston, I figured this one might work. The traffic jam. <laughs> uh, the other one I had was, uh, this was a way wordy, but this is kind of a cool one. Uh, Tucker, the offensive bloodsucker. <laughs> Just throwing those out there. The Rockets, uh, uh, we're, we're going to keep track of them uh, continually, but the Cougars are now number eight. Eighth in the nation, they're twenty-seven and one. I don't know what else to say except that Tillman Fertitta's highest-paid bas- basketball coach next year might not be Mike D'Antoni. Uh, keep in mind, Kelvin Sampson—he's becoming a hot commodity. That's that's my one concern, Archie. With all this winning, You're, you could lose Sampson at the end of the year. Well, well, of course. I mean, the guy. I mean, if he gets a one or two seed in the NCAA tournament, because he only. Uh, the, 
you know, the Cougars only had one or two losses on this season. I mean, he's done a phenomenal job. We, we've talked about that. But, yeah, your your biggest concern is college basketball coaches move around all the time and, and they want to move to bigger conferences. I just don't know what Kelvin Sampson, maybe he likes living in the Houston area, that UH is the brand new facilities, the renovated uh, Hoffines Pavilion, which is now the, the Fertitta Center. It's a great college basketball atmosphere. I don't know if he'd want to walk away from that after one year, but if a big program comes calling from one of the major conferences, could you blame him if they're giving him more money and and that chance to be in a, a larger conference where it's a little bit easier to make the tourney year after year? Because, I mean, it's going to be hard to duplicate this. And, and even in the AAC, you've got like, you know, great programs like, you know, University of Connecticut over the years with their national championships and Cincinnati. Uh, you know, so you have like, a, you know, Memphis. I mean, you have a lot of great basketball schools in the AAC. So it's, you know, not something that's a given that, oh, I easily, you know, duplicate, you know, this kind of success. But he's building the foundation. And, and you have to think that Cougar basketball is, is going to be good in the years to come as long as he can stay there and continue to build the program because players are going to want to come. It's a big thing when you're talking about college recruits, and you know this, you cover college sports. You were in, uh, for people who don't know, you you covered uh, the University of Arkansas, and you also covered Memphis, which, is, which we just mem- mentioned. And, you know, a lot of it is about, like, not only who the coach is, but also the facilities. What are the facilities like that we're going to practice in? And, and then what what is the arena like that we're going to play in? And for many years, UH was at a disadvantage. They played in, you know, a rinky dink, you know, Hoffines Pavilion that hadn't been renovated and, and, you know, was kind of sparsely attended. Now it's a real hoops mecca. People love going to watch games there and the and they, uh, UH has a facility. So, again, it's just going to come back to whether or not Kelvin Sampson feels it's a good fit for him and his family moving forward in his career. Right. You couldn't have said it better. I mean, yeah, I, I'm hoping they could keep him around. I'm hoping this uh, Sampson can stay in Houston a lot longer than Ralph Sampson did. He'll have a better uh, tenure than, than Ralph did. And, and he's gaining momentum as, as opposed to Ralph, who had the injury and, and lost the momentum. Let's go to the Texans because we haven't talked a ton of Texans, RG. Brian Gain had a couple of interesting things to say at his combine press conference, I thought. He says the Texans like their running back depth chart he he was asked if Lamar Miller would be the starter he said yes so translation no Le'Veon Bell it doesn't sound like they'd be going after Le'Veon Bell also Gaines said quote ideally we'd love to have a committee backfield and have contributions from various players uh all the stuff that he said about the running back depth chart and we like where we are and all that stuff RG I sure hope they're looking to add a running back this offseason, either in free agency or the draft or both. It'd be nice if one of the running backs, one of them was a decent pass blocker. I mean, the goal should be to have a top 10 NFL running back, and they don't have one. I mean, Lamar Miller made the Pro Bowl, but come on. He's not a top 10 guy, is he? Really? I mean, he did make the Pro Bowl. We have to give him. He had a, a really good uh, season this past season, but he's, I mean, he's getting up there. I mean, running backs, we know they have a limited shelf life, right? So you have to be able to capitalize on them when when they can go out there and they can give you the carries and be in there. There are very few like Emmett Smith or Adrian Peterson's, you know, a guy playing still right now who can, you know, still lug the ball around in, in their 30s. So I, I 
you know, I think probably part of it, why he was saying that is because, look, Le'Veon Bell is going to be in free agency. He's going to command a lot of money. It's not that the Texans would maybe rule out going and getting him, but they're not going to pay like, oh, OK, franchise type, you know, running back type money for a guy out there on the free agent market. And they're also not going to probably draft. They're looking at offensive tackles or looking at the secondary. I mean, we know what their needs are in the draft, so they're they're going to be looking for those. But would they in the fifth round and the sixth round draft a running back or even fourth round? I mean, yeah, I can see that just depends who's on the board, how, you know, who, who they value there. But I, I think that they do. You, I think you're right about that, that they want to be able to get additional depth in there. They're not going to ignore the position. I'd be totally shocked if they did, but I think they're looking to get value later in the rounds. Cause we've seen over the years with a foot with, with running backs, especially in the fourth, fifth, sixth, even, I mean, Arian Foster was undrafted. So, I mean, they know they need to improve the position, but I think they want to have more competition there. And, you know, they have to be saying that to Lamar Miller. He's under contract. Yeah, he's a starter, but we'd like to have some others in depth and everything. But I, uh, we've seen Alfred Blue the last few years. I mean, we know what he is. And like you said, they need to get a better blocking back too. So I think they'll be out there looking for it. It's just not you know, the high profile guy that, you know, because they aren't going to be drafting high in the draft or even look, you, looking to use a first or second rounder on a running back. So uh, that that's kind of it. Don't you agree? I would say be open to a running back in the third round. Obviously, they don't have a fourth round pick, but third or fifth, I would like to see them draft a running back there. And if the right guy is available, if a guy that you think right. is going to be a steal is available in the sure. third or fifth round, you know, you said it. There are guys out there all the time in those positions that turn into bit really good running backs, and running backs have gotten pushed back to later in the draft as we've gone along. So, you know, what a running back would do, a, a guy that was explosive, and, you know, if it's Le'Veon Bell or somebody else that's better than what they have right now, it makes life easier for Deshaun Watson, and that should be the goal for this team from here on out, as long as Deshaun Watson is the quarterback. That's what you want to do is you want to make his life easier. You want to keep people off of him. And speaking of that, Gain also said he thinks it's a good year in the draft for tackle, uh, both left and right side, but doesn't think it's a very deep free agent market at the position. So don't see them going after anybody. He's optimistic that Sean Trell Henderson will be the Texans starting right tackle next season. Remember, uh, he played all of a game last year. And of course, my response to that, RG, is, yeah, Chantrell will be the starting right tackle, like he said, uh, until there's an injury early in the year. Then what? Because this guy can't stay on the field, so don't depend on him. It's like of going into the season thinking, well, <laughs> we got Will Fuller as our number two wide receiver. Everything should be great. It's all, you know, everything's fine. Don't look Don't look yeah, here. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's like going into the Rockets season. Oh, yeah, Chris Paul will play 82 games, right? <laughs> yeah, it's you're going to have to think about that. Yeah, I mean, as much as we'd love that, I mean, I Will Fuller, he's a dynamic, he's a difference maker when he's out there. But yeah, like you're talking about with the tackle position, and what he said about the draft is true. I mean, there is value up there at the top of the rounds and the and the, the for offensive tackles in this year's draft. So the the Texans are going to be adding an offensive tackle in a draft. We know that. We just don't know who they're going to pick yet. If it'll be in the first or the second round, but they're going to use one of their top you know two two round picks on an offensive lineman, maybe both. Uh, you know, so we, uh, it, it just depends who's on the board, who's available, 
you know, if there's somebody that slips from another position that you're like, well, gosh, you know, we've got to take this guy here. We weren't expecting. I mean, you know, there are all those kind of considerations on draft day. But, you know, just by what he even said there, Brian Gain, this we, we have to get, uh, you know, there's a lot of like talent of offensive tackle in this draft, but there's not much out in the free agent market. Well, then you know where they're going to be zeroing in on on the draft. Also looking more and more like the Texans want Ty Matthew back, but Kareem Jackson isn't likely returning from the rumblings that you're hearing from Kareem and the Texans gain also sounds confident that Aaron Colvin will be fine next year. He blamed most of the issues on the ankle injury he had. I honestly wasn't super impressed with how he looked prior to the ankle injury, RG, but the Texans are stuck with him because of his $10.5 million in dead cap money. So hopefully he's healthy next year and we see a totally different time Matthew. I mean, uh, excuse me, totally different Eric Colvin because uh, yeah, that that would be a huge help if they just had a good nickel cornerback and Aaron Colvin that I thought they had gotten as a free agent because it looked like a good signing at the time, honestly. Well, again, we have to like decide for general manager speak here. OK, it's like, yeah, I'm excited. We're going to be able to have him come back fully healthy next year. Translation, we paid a lot of money for him, so he's going to be on the roster next year. But we're definitely going to be looking for other options. OK, so I mean, that's what it means, whether the draft or through free agency, they need to we, we know they need to add depth to the secondary. Free agency now, just a couple of weeks away, we're going to have some guests as we uh, get into free agency a little bit in the next couple of weeks. So listen for that. RG, it's the time in Houston that uh, maybe you missed the most. I don't know. It's Houston rodeo time. You miss being here for the rodeo? Hey, the rodeo is always a, a great spot. You know, you can catch, you know, uh, great artists, you know, from the country rock and roll. Even, you know, the R&B and Teano scene now, right? Well, did you and see the guest list this year? It was like you got everybody from Cardi B is at the rodeo. This yeah, is- like I'm saying, Cardi B, you know, I mean, that's like some uh, that's different than like, hey, when you're growing up every year, it was like, you know, uh, you know Randy Travis at the uh, uh, every every year that just country artists. Now they've kind of expanded that out. Plus, you have the barbecues. It's a whole scene, you know, go Western Day. I mean, it's all a, a big deal in Texas. So, yeah, I mean, haven't you been to the rodeo? Didn't you go see a concert already this year? Right. Yeah, no, I did. I went to Casey Musgraves, and I'm a huge Casey Musgraves fan, and it was just it was fantastic. Uh, she was amazing, and I love her. I mean, she's kind of the Jose Altuve of country musicians right now. I mean, three albums, three major albums that she's come out with. Uh, I'm going to throw out her Christmas album, uh, but the three major albums that she's had – in her first six years of her country music career, and two of the three have won the Grammy. They won the Grammy not just for, I think, country album. I think it was just album of the year. She's already got six Grammys, three of them for songs. She wrote a song that won a Grammy. So, hey, let me ask you this: Is there any chance that you're going to get a, a Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper coming out doing his Jackson Maine from A Star Is Born, and Lady Gaga doing her? Hey, Gaga at the rodeo. I don't. I wouldn't put it Gaga being at the rodeo. I mean, I've seen Fergie and Beyonce out there. So I wouldn't put it past her, but she already was at, you know, she was in Houston. She did the Super Bowl halftime show there when it was in Houston. Yeah. She had to, had them actually open, open the roof, which that to me, yeah. that might be the, her biggest accomplishment in Houston history is getting, <laughs> getting them to open the roof at NRG stadium. Hey, she could do it again. She says, I want to come back for the rodeo, open it up again. I was going to say, uh, Casey Musgraves, the, the, the big connection to Houston sports, by the way, I was out there for that. And so was Wade Phillips. And, you know, I noticed on social media, both me and him put out the 
exact same photo practically on social media uh, from uh, the Casey Musgraves concert. So it, it was really cool. She did a nice tribute to Selena as well. My sister was just out there for Brooks and Dunn. Also out there for Brooks and Dunn was our friend, friend of the show, Bill Brown. Well, Brooks and Dunn, they're one of the biggest names in country music. Yeah, I mean, the guys apparently can still get it done at, at their age. They're kind of the uh, Vince Carter of uh, musicians in the, in the country field because they're 65 now, believe it or not. Is the Zach Brown band there this year? Uh, yeah, I think they are back. And remember that that was the one where J.J. Watt, remember he tackled? Yeah, I mean, but they're always another one that's uh, been regular at the rodeo, right? Yeah, Zach, Zach Brown band, they had somebody, J.J., I think, uh, had to come up on stage and tackle somebody that was running the stage at, at the Zach Brown band concert that was uh pretty fun the last few years but uh hey uh we, we got to talk a little astros rg we're gonna do that in tomorrow's podcast so for those of you waiting for astros spring training conversation listen to tomorrow's podcast that's all we got for this one though don't forget to follow houston sports talk on facebook and twitter subscribe to us on itunes the google podcast app or the stitcher app give us a five-star review on itunes when you get the chance and tell your friends about us, spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.